The following podcast is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. Sci-Fi For Me Radio presents Timothy Harvey, Jason Hunt. This is H2O. Welcome, everyone. This episode of H2O, my name is Jason Hunt. And I am Timothy Harvey. And we are making the attempt... Uh, to record uh, this episode uh, a little bit different way this week uh, because of the technology gremlins and the vehicle gremlins and the scheduling gremlins. And so I am in our new studio here at uh, at Sci-Fi For Me while Tim is in the auxiliary annex uh, <laughs> across town. And so it's my apartment and in my bedroom. So. Yes, so we're... we're uh, doing this yeah so trying trying to do this uh, a little bit differently hopefully it, the sound quality will be such that you can that you can get through this but we'll make this a short episode so you don't have to uh, to cringe too much uh on the docket this week lots of different things because we had a, a few different random news items come through the week uh but nothing really gargantuanly huge that uh, that says you must discuss this, not like we did with the Buckaroo Bonsai thing last week. Um, although the list, I will say, uh, Tim, the list of uh, Buckaroo Bonsai nicknames continues to grow here for the uh, staff. Sure. Uh, so that's, uh, that's going to be uh, something that um, uh, hopefully I have that completed by uh, the next couple of weeks so everybody can have their own a Buckaroo Banzai John name. So, uh, and then next week we want to talk about Halloween stuff because and, and horror films and horror films and science fiction films because of course Halloween is right around the corner. Yes, yes, and uh, we've got uh, you know Sci-Fi is having their 31 Days of Halloween right now, which includes uh, uh, Channel Zero, and right. also uh, Van Helsing is on right now. We're doing recaps for both of those shows, and you you guys over on Zompocalypse now. Are discussing candle candle cove for this week, but also uh, uh, Walking Dead and for the Walking Dead and all the zombie stuff. And Walking Dead is back, so you'll yeah. be talking about that on Zompocalypse now. Why don't you give us a, a little bit yeah, of a tease so for those of you who have somehow managed to miss all of this out in the world? Which I imagine there's two or three. Some some would yes. Some would. Um, the Walking Dead last season ended on a major cliffhanger, where is our uh, Rick and company have been captured by one of the big bads from the comic books, Negan. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is playing Negan. Yeah, he also played Bruce Wayne, and he's ready to do it again. That's right, and he looks very much the part. Uh, I'm actually really excited. He's he's going to be a fun villain for this season, um, if not the big bad, at least certainly one of them. I think he's going to be the big bad for the whole season, but. As the final episode of the season ended, um, our heroes are on their knees in front of him as he walks back and forth holding his trademark baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. And one of our heroes is going to die tonight. Um, I actually have heard that um, maybe more than one. There's well, that there's this uh, there's this possibility this rumor that came around. So I interviewed and he says there's only one person dying tonight. He says one is is enough. Okay. Um, but the speculation is rampant about who it's going to be. Uh, Dustin and I have with various episodes of Apocalypse Now talked about it. But the general consensus is if you stick to the comic books, 
Glenn dies. Because Glenn, this is the point in the comics where Glenn died. Negan, Negan kills him here in the comic books. Now, the TV show has departed from the comics in quite a few places. So it's not, I mean, Carol's still alive and she's long dead in the comics. So the question really is, you know, how much can fans speculate about this? In fact, you know, there's a throwaway line in the preview where Negan talks about it, you know, it's, you know, everyone should have a right-hand man, and there's blood splatter on Rick's face on his right side, so everyone's looking at who's, who's on Rick's right side, you know, so... <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anybody on my right side right now, so well, you got, we're all you know, safe. You've got... Um, uh, Daryl is on his right side. Maggie's on his right side. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things you could be speculating about. Uh, the interesting thing is is that none of the characters have been... I mean, everyone's been really, really good about keeping it quiet. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there's there's been plenty of reason to speculate about characters potentially leaving the show. Um, uh, there's been, you know... <laughs> There have been TV shows that they've been on. There have been comments that have been made that sound an awful lot like goodbye, but aren't necessarily goodbye. So it's it's going to be interesting. Dustin and I have a theory that tonight's episode is going to spend about ninety percent of it with characters uh, with with Morgan and Carol because they're away from the main group and right. they won't get the kill until the last like minute of the show. Uh, what are what are the odds since since Glenn and Maggie are a thing, right? What are the odds that Maggie's the one instead of Glenn in sort of a a, a reversal or a subversion right. of the expectation? So this is something that we've, we've Dustin and I talked a little bit about in the most recent uh, Apocalypse Now episode. But while The Walking Dead has a definite aversion to small children who are female, because if you're a girl under the age of, say, 16 in The Walking Dead world, you're dead. Uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the many curious trends The Walking Dead leans towards is it's like, oh look, it's a beautiful young female child. She's doomed. Uh, <laughs> or she's evil and doomed. Yes, well, but in, all, in any event, she'll end up doomed. Especially if she's this sweet innocent, because, you know, and of course, Maggie's pregnant. And this raises the question is how far is The Walking Dead going to go? Mm -hmm. um, because they have pulled back in places that the comic didn't. So Judith, Rick's daughter, is still alive on the show. In the comic, she died with the assault on the farm, you know, several seasons ago. Um, with the, the same time Lori died, because Lori was running, carrying Judith, because Judith survived, uh, they both survived Judith's birth, and she's running, carrying Judith, and she gets shot with a shotgun, and Lori dies that way, and it's left unclear whether or not Judith died because Lori fell on her, or if she got caught with a shotgun blast too. So in any event, The Walking Dead was willing to go to, let's kill off a baby. Um, in the comic, right. in the TV show, not so much. Now we killed, like we killed off small girls before. We killed off, you know, uh, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, twelve-year-olds. But we haven't gotten to the point where they've killed a baby. So the point about Maggie being pregnant, I don't know. I mean, it would make it, it would make it significantly tragic, obviously. Um, and she does actually come from a different country. 
you know, she's a, a Australian, I believe. Oh yeah, the yeah. you're talking about the actress. So, no, I don't know. We are honestly, I think it's going to be cool, just because it, it does have the emotional impact. There's been some speculation that it's going to be, um, oh, for heaven's sake, Daryl. No, not one. oh, 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 yeah. Uh, Possibly Daryl, but again, you run into you run into who the who the heroes of the show are. Daryl's not a kind of character from the comics. I mean, he's a separate thing together. So the the question really becomes: How much do they want to deal with fan outrage? Because <laughs> they're kind of going to get they're going to get fan outrage anyway. Yeah, because um, no matter what you do, no matter who care you know, no matter what character you gets killed off. There are going to be people. That's their favorite character, whether it's Glenn or or Eugene well, but or, if, but if or anybody. Off, if you kill off an extraneous character, somebody who's not part of the main group, then you have the same problem, just in a different way. Because then it's they weren't willing to go there, you know. Mm-hmm. They're protecting you, so you're never going to make all the fans happy, right? But ultimately, you know, Dustin and I bashed immensely on Fear of the Walking Dead and then they managed to pull it out in the last couple episodes to have to end with a better ending for the season than than they certainly had two thirds of the rest of the season. Yeah. The Walking Dead has done been much the same thing. We had had several years where Dustin and I were hate watching it. <laughs> and everything was just awful. I remember. And the show has gotten better and better and while it's not perfect, no T V show is but The Walking Dead has generally, over the last couple of seasons, stronger and stronger. Um, overall, a better show. There's still moments of complete, you know, stupid. Uh, and the show still comes with a lot of the problems that it already had, like the fact that you can't have more than two male black characters before somebody's going to die. The fact that nobody can read a map, or... Nobody can read a map, or just distance and time are not things that are real in the Walking Dead universe. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's, there's, there's built-in story problems. Right. But, overall, the writing has gotten a lot better. And the character development has gotten a lot better. So, I don't know. I mean, we're oddly enough kind of excited about it. So, we'll be watching that tonight, uh, not too long after we finish recording the characters. Alright, yes, we are recording on a Sunday evening rather than our usual Thursday night because uh, we've been reconfiguring uh, the studio, reconfiguring the bunker so we can expand a little bit, expand our facilities and resources and um, and and get by ourselves, give the staff an activity center. We're very excited about that, but, uh, but also to give us a little bit a little bit of a better space uh, to work in. So that's uh, that's the main reason why we've uh, been delayed a little bit on on putting all this together. But um, okay, so Zompocalypse Now. This is an, another one of the podcasts that you can hear uh, here on Sci-Fi from Your Radio. Uh, Tim and Dustin and um, you guys are talking about besides Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead. You're also talking about uh, Channel Zero, Dead of Summer, uh, Preacher. Which actually gets us into our next uh, item, which is the uh, the artist for Preacher, Steve Dillon, pass, yeah. passing away this week, uh, and it seems to have been a surprise to everybody. I I didn't. Uh, it's very young. Um, he was in his fifties or middle fifties, I think. Something like that. Yeah, I think so. Um, and you know, for somebody who. Uh, uh, 
we tend to consider the fact that a lot of these kind of books are, are very well known within the community. So right. things like uh, Preacher and things like Hellblazer, these are, are big in the comics community, but they're less known outside in, in the wider world. Uh, so I think I'll, not this, not every listener who's not a comic book fan is going to understand just how influential he, he was in many ways. Um, the the iconic look he gave several characters, uh, John Constantine uh, from Hellblazer, of course, uh, Matt Lyon played the character on, on television. Right. Uh, and yes, Keanu Reeves played him in the movies. Um, Wait, there was there was a movie of of Constantine. I you know I have I have, I have a weird relationship with that film because <laughs> on one hand um, I enjoy it because it's not a terrible movie but it's a terrible John con- Constantine. Right. It's an entertaining film that needs to have a different character. Um, and so it's easy enough to think ah, it's a different John Constantine entirely. It's not a unique name. You know, a lot of people are named John. <laughs> so, <laughs> but. But Dylan, Steve Dylan, really helped define the look of John Constantine, um, and he did a lot of work on The Punisher with uh, Garth Ennis as well, and really helped revive the character. For those of you who, who don't necessarily follow the, the metaphysical magic horror type of DC or, uh, or DC or Marvel or anybody. Um, his work on The Punisher was actually really, really highly, uh, highly praised. Uh, a lot of people think he was part of a, one of the better runs of the character. So he was, he, his artwork is very, very recognizable. And it is, it's always a shame to lose a very creative individual. Right. It's a shame to lose anybody. But I mean, when you've got somebody who has that kind of impact on the, on the visual aesthetic for a whole bunch of different characters, really fan favorites it, it's it's a terrible shame and, I, and you know obviously our condolences go out to his family because oh, yeah, his course. brother was the first to make the announcement um yeah because i've seen it in in several different places and actually it made some of the bigger entertainment uh publications variety i think uh had something hollywood reporter i think had something which i'm wondering if preacher was still just a comic book whether or not it would have gotten as much attention uh, as, oh, as well, it has which is oh, I would it, imagine, you know, unfortunately, cynical um, for me to say that but you know it's well it, you know, we talked about this before the, the reach of, of the comic book audience uh, is fairly small um, you know again we come back to that, that I've always thought that ridiculous statement where, you know, Iron Man comes out and they were talking about, you know, what's their known character, Iron Man? It's like, well, what are you talking about? He's one of the founding member of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're one of the, you know, how many thousands of, of comic book readers, right. you know who it is. But if you're the general public, you know, you're not, he's not one of the big iconic characters like Batman or Superman or, or something like that. And it's the same thing really for, especially the Vertigo titles. I mean, if you are a, if you were a comic book reader in the 80s and 90s, you probably and and that was had any appeal to you. Vertigo was a big big deal. Yeah. But you know, for the folks who were just reading superhero comics, it wouldn't necessarily have been that. And certainly for the larger audience, 
the explosion of superhero films and superhero television really opened that up to a much wider audience. And so, yeah, I, th I think sadly, the, the fact that there was, you know, that, that Constantine was a show, that Preacher was a show, these are things that actually would make Steve Dillon be a much, make it a much bigger deal to the larger uh, uh, general public. Right. Did Dillon ever do any artwork on Swamp Thing? I don't, think I don't remember seeing if he did or not. I don't think he did. Not not a not like a, a, a long run. Uh, his artwork, not that his artwork would necessarily have lent itself well to Swamp Thing. Um, the there was a certain cleanly clean. <laughs> there was a certain cleanness to mm -hmm. his lines, um, and I want to say almost a, an animated look. Yeah. That made an interesting contrast when he would draw something like in Preacher for lots, you know, it's a very violent series. Um, there would be something, you could easily see, like, uh, I'm not, comparing it to the young style of animation in Young Justice is wrong, Yeah, but in the same kind but of way that that, that that same clean line look that Bruce yeah, Tim I mean, They were very, out. very different, but at the same time if you would imagine suddenly Young Justice exploding in giant bloodshed that would be the contrast between the clean lines of his art when he's doing it, a character that that's suddenly... That's probably what we would have gotten with Young Justice Season 3 if we'd gotten Young Justice Season 3, which we should get Young Justice Season 3 Netflix, just saying. Yes. <laughs> well, I would agree. And But no, it is it is a huge loss. And, and again, for somebody who is really quite young... Now, he had a big career over in the UK before he became a, a well-known American artist. So certainly the folks who... who 2000 AD, um, which, was, which is still a major powerhouse in terms of British talent. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the great British artists and writers that we know of over here got their start in 2000 AD. And I think that's where I saw the announcement first uh, on my Facebook feed was uh, yeah, that, that, 2000 that AD would was the first ones to do it, and then then it came through on the email with a number of different places running an obituary for him. So, yeah, it, it, the word spread quickly. Yeah, well, uh, he was he really was uh, pretty beloved by the community, by the, by the comics community. For everything I hear, he was a really great guy. No. Um, and um, if he wasn't, then then he didn't make a whole lot of enemies. But fans loved him. It seemed like his, his co-creators and, and the rest of the community loved him. And, and uh, again, it is, it's just a real tragic loss. There was a lot, a lot more years in that guy for creating. Well, it's it's like, um, uh, you know, how many how many of those uh, die young? You know, we had um, uh, Dwayne McDuffie is is another one of those where you have that talent that's that's uh, you know snuffed out too soon. So well, it's always it's always a terrible shame, you know, leaving aside the obvious thing of. Uh, when friends and family, their 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 loss, of course, is obviously greater than, than just a fan's loss. Right. But there is always something to be said for those those characters, talented people who bring something something special to the creation process and, and put it out in the world. And and to lose that is is always just you know, it's one less piece of. of uh, Sounds a little cheesy, 
one less piece of goodness in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just yeah, to lose. So, yeah. yeah. So again, just terrible, terrible statement and, and to his family and friends. We're we're very sorry to hear it. Yeah. And on that note, here's what we'll do. We will take a break and let you hear from our sponsor, Superhero Stuff. When we get back, the discussion continues around various random bits and things, flotsam and jetsam, when H2O continues right after this. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Where can you get the latest cool superhero and sci-fi merchandise? SuperheroStuff.com! From t-shirts to keychains to cookie jars and everything in between. Superhero Stuff has added more buyers to the staff, which means more stuff, which means more for you to choose from. And don't forget the Hero Box, the must-have superhero mystery box. A $70 value, just $49. Visit SuperheroStuff.com today and gear up with your favorites. SuperheroStuff.com! Where heroes shop. I'm meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention this weekend, especially if you're a cosplayer, it helps to know what the weather's going to be like. Rain and fur don't mix very well, now do they? That's why every week, Sci-Fi For Me gives you the weather forecast for every city hosting a convention. Those we have on our list, anyway. And that's worldwide, not just in the United States. It's part of our commitment to bring you content you won't find anywhere else. Just click on the Conventions tab over at SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. Whoa, where'd you get that shirt? Bought it at the convention last week. It's an atomic cotton design. Atomic cotton? Yep, they got t-shirt designs from sci-fi, horror, cult films. All the shirts were really unique and fun. I had to get one. I gotta wait for another convention, though. Nope. AtomicCotton.com. I ordered a shirt. Shipping was super fast. Atomic Cotton, where Erica and Zach combine their passion for art and film to create wearable art. All original, made with a love for the genre. Coming to a convention near you very soon. Or find them on the web at AtomicCotton.com. Atomic Cotton. Shirts and art for fans by fans. Hi, this is Dan Handley. If you're a true believer, you should be listening to our Marvel Podcast Level 117, a discussion of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, only on Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Back on H2O, Jason Hyde here, along with Timothy Harvey, who is across town, and uh, we're we're recording just a slightly weird set of circumstances (laughs) this time out. Our configuration is very messed up at this point uh but uh the next episode we should be everything back to normal so uh so hopefully uh, we'll see uh okay so uh, we we've been talking about just some random things in the news uh this this week uh let's go to some star wars bits we just posted today uh and this got uh, this got announced uh, toward the end of last week to no one's surprise, Donald Glover is going to play young Lendo Calrissian in the Han Solo prequel. And I suppose it was inevitable that, that Donald Glover would be playing Lando Calrissian, although I'm still questioning the need for a Han Solo prequel anyway. Yeah, unfortunately, since there's no indication that it's going to be the prequel that a lot of fans would love to see. Yeah, because Ann Crispin already wrote these books. It's called right. the Han Solo Trilogy, and uh, I actually had the good fortune of being able to interview her uh, prior to her death. Uh, we were talking about the first uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean prequel mm-hmm. novel that she, yeah. she wrote. It, and actually, the Han Solo Trilogy 
is what got her the job for writing the Jack Sparrow prequel books. And she did the first one and then uh, fell ill to cancer and, and uh, did not survive that battle. But, uh, but yeah, I... I uh, I, just, I don't. I don't necessarily have a problem with it, and I think. I think we don't um, need pre. We don't need a prequel for every little thing. Next thing you no, know, we'll get an Akbar prequel. I actually think an Akbar prequel could be fine. We'll get a prequel for Nine Nong. We'll get a prequel <laughs> for. We'll get an IG eighty eight movie. I mean, where does it well, stop? You know, where I, Where do you Where do you decide? This further, not discussion of, of having a, a TV show. Remember the old uh, the TV show idea, which was going to be the the underbelly of the crime series, basically. right? And and I and I'd be I'd be okay without I'd be okay with that maybe with a with a TV show a limited run TV series, but you don't have to do movie after movie after movie for every single character, and you don't well, have to do uh, a backstory movie for your main character. I mean, I don't care. Well, okay, but, but that. If, you're going, if you're going to do one, well, you know, I don't think one either, but if you're going to have one, you have a limited number of the main characters to play with, and you really only have Han Solo. And we don't, because he's the character who actually has the dramatic backstory. Leah, um, there's only so much you can do, because, I mean, you know, how gripping can her life as a senator be? <laughs> well, well what, you do, what you do with that one... Off. What you do with that one is you make it a you make it a political thriller with Bail Organa and Mon Mothma as your leads, and and that sounds like we're getting a little snippet of that with Rogue One. Right, and so but that that's that's where you do it with Rogue One, but with you know and obviously you know the the prequel of Luke's life is going to be gripping. <laughs> well, it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be a buddy cop style movie. Uh, him with uh, him and Biggs, yeah, it'll be it'll be the best friends growing up. It'll be Lena, uh, uh, Stand by Me, with Luke and Biggs, and uh, uh, who are the rest yeah. of them? Cammy the and um, yeah, the rest. Deke. Who who are the other characters that were in that that piece that were cut out? Cammy, Deke, Biggs. I think there were a couple of others, but yeah. So yeah, it'll be the Hangover in space. So. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I so Solo at least you know what pieces we've gotten of his backstory through the through the official media when they're considering the official media now. At least there's an interesting story that can potentially be told there. But I don't think it's necessary. It, well, I don't think it's necessary. But we, we're getting it. Um, if you're going to, you know, Glover is an excellent choice. I think to play Calrissian. I think of the actors that that I can think of the the younger black actors who can play the part. I think he'll do a great job. But. In the larger scheme of things, I'm not overly excited about. Uh, well, most Star Wars fans have issues with prequels. Yeah. And Rogue One looks like they're getting one right, but then it's like, do we want to take a chance on another one? I mean, you got it right once. Just leave it alone. Well, I think uh, I think I think one of the things why I think one of the reasons why Rogue One seems to look like it's going to work is because it's not connected to the original trilogy. Because the the, you, the the prequel trilogy that George Lucas did was again filling out all of the backstory on characters that we already knew, characters we already knew where they were going, what their trajectory was. You know, we, we know we what's going to happen to Han Solo. We didn't need Darth Vader's origin story. No, 
we didn't need it at all. And and you know, like I wrote a long time ago here on the site, I don't care about this Anakin Skywalker. I mean, he's a whiny, entitled, rich boy teenager type with daddy issues, and that's not the Anakin Skywalker that we were told about in the original trilogy. And so when you get that prequel that that subverts all of the expectations of what this story is supposed to be, that's one thing. And and Rogue One we don't have anything in canon or out of canon, really, the extended universe even, that has any indication on what happened with this one. All we know is that a small band of rebels striking from a secret base have, you know, this is their first success. And that's the only thing that we've ever gotten because that's in the roll-up of the first movie. So it does give them a lot of room to play with this particular story. But you're going to get you're not going to get opportunities like that very often unless you go outside the the our our main band of rebels that we've been seeing all these years. Well, that's why I want the Admiral Akbar prequel. I want to see how he became the general <laughs> that we all know and love, and what made him know that it was a trap. Because clearly, he's had experience with traps before. Because because it's see. always a trap. Prequels. You know, Prequels Basically, are a trap. I want to see Admiral Akbar in the Star Wars version of Saw, so that he knows it's a trap. <laughs> right? Well, so. now we did get uh, we did get him in the Clone Wars. Uh, right. He did show up there, and so you know there was a, there was a couple there were a couple of traps that he had to get out of there. So uh, yeah, it, give us the Admiral Thrawn uh, prequel. I mean, give me give you. Well, now we're getting Admiral Thrawn in Star Wars Rebels because and well, and and pretty good too. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm not too keen on Lars Mik- uh, or or Ma- not Ma- Mads Mikkelsen. The other the other Mikkelsen is uh, is playing him. To me, his voice seems a little too light, higher pitched than I expected it to be. I expect him to sound a little bit more menacing, and uh, and Mikkelsen is not playing it that way. He's he's is, yeah. yeah. Rickman would have been great as as Thrawn. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's I don't know, it's it, it, it's a good casting decision with, with Glover playing the part, but it's yeah I'm I'm not like thank goodness we're finally getting the Han Solo prequel movie that I've wanted so much. It's, right. It's not that so. Well, it, and you know what this does? This this actually puts Glover in the Disney stable. So. Uh, when he's done playing Lando Calrissian, I mean, we know he's going to be in Spider-Man: Homecoming, but we don't know who he's playing. Uh, odds are very good he's going to be playing Miles Morales, because that's what everybody is expecting. Although honestly, I think he we should go with a younger actor for Miles. Oh, I think so too. Uh, that would be a much, but you know, whatever he could, he could be Miles' dad. I don't know that he's old enough to play Miles' dad. He could Probably. be. I mean, he he Probably. may be old enough. He doesn't look old enough. Sure. Um, and he could still do a maybe maybe an older. Maybe they subvert it. Maybe maybe I've, I'm using that word subvert a lot today. Maybe they flip. So it's not Peter Parker that's older. It's Miles Morales that's older. But you know, Morales still gets inspired by Parker to to put on a mask. Sure. Could be. Could be. Certainly. Um. You know. I'm. That excites me more. Than, than the Star Wars. Um, They're coming to get you. They're always coming to get me. They never find me, though. It's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's weird. because it's because the cat has special cloaking powers. Oh, yeah, sure she is. Yeah, she's, she's, hiding, she's hiding you from them. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be good. The the track record so far, certainly with with the Force Awakens and looks like Rogue One. Your Rogue One could be a disaster. I don't think so, but I it, don't it, think it so. looks good. Um, the track record looks pretty good, so I'm I'm optimistic, in in a sense. But I'm not like you know. Oh, thank goodness, I've needed this so badly. Yeah. So what else we got going this week? We have. Well, we'll uh, talk, about, we talk a little bit more of this with, uh, uh, well, a couple different places. Yes. Uh, level eleven seven certainly, um, but uh, there's been a little bit of a brouhaha in, in the Marvel art world. Um, oh yes. For those who uh, who haven't been following along in the Marvel universe, uh, Tony Stark is no longer Iron. Uh, he is apparently somewhat deadish, or the implication is he's Some, somewhat deadish. Somewhat deadish. Yeah, well, of course, it's comic books. Nobody ever really dies. He's just, just mostly dead, just mostly partially dead. Well, dead. In the comic comics, it's interesting because Doctor Doom is Iron Man, and to a, to a degree. And, but the main invincible Iron Man character, the one who's the big, who's taking on the role post Tony Stark, mm-hmm. um, is a character named Riri Williams, who's going to be, the, the character is not really going to be called Iron Man anymore, it's going to be called Iron Heart, because she's a girl, and uh, uh, Iron Man would be a little odd. Yes. Uh, but she's also interesting because she's a 15 year old prodigy, she's this amazing. Technological genius who was a fifteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old black girl, and the the characters have got a lot of people very excited. And apparently, from all accounts, has been everyone's praising the writing so far. Um, and with Iron Man being missing, presumed dead, she designed her own suit of armor. Uh, and it's, it's apparently it's kind of like the excitement for this character is something akin to. Uh, uh, the new Miss Marvel, right? See, I was just thinking about that because isn't this? Aren't they just playing? It's pulling from the same playbook on this that they take well, no, young because Captain Captain Marvel Carol Danvers, you know, used to be Ms. Marvel. She's white. She's blonde, and they replace her with of a teenage person of color. And now we did the same thing. Well. Yeah, okay. Thor. Thor gets replaced with a woman, and and Captain America. You know, Sam. Sam takes over as Captain America. So now you have a black Captain America, and there's this hue and cry over that. And now you get Iron Man doing the oh, pretty much the same thing that Ms. Marvel did. Well, but I think what, what what they're doing well here is that they're 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 playing with the idea of the legacy character, right? Right. Oh, the character who takes up the mantle after the other one, after for whatever reason, right? But what's interesting about all of those cases is that the original character is still around. You're not replacing those characters with, I mean, even you know, Thor Odin's son mm. is still around. Now. Right. Okay. Um, uh, you know, Harold Danvers is still around, and Tony Stark is not going to stay dead. And the new, the new, all pretty Doctor Doom. Is not going to stay his version of Iron Man forever either. So, what they're doing here is they're expanding their stable of characters, but they're also going into and it looks like what's interesting is that they're with this certainly her and this Marvel is that they're going younger and and expanding it you know ethnically and religiously and things like that, which I don't have a problem. 
but they're still keep they're not replacing it's not like you're not getting the kind of blowback you would get from say when Kyle Rayner became the new Green Lantern. I mean Hal Jordan was dead. Mm-hmm. Right? And Kyle you know, people hated Kyle Rayner. They hated him so much. <laughs> I um, remember. But by the time Hal Jordan came back, Kyle Rayner had developed a quite a sizable fan base. And there was a lot of real concern that when, when Hal came back, you know Right. So well, here, it was like it was like when you know a whole gener- generation growing up with Wally West being the Flash, and then well, Barry Allen exactly. comes back. So, so Marvel, to, to their credit, I think is recognizing that they don't have to get rid of the original character so much as they can now have a legacy character that's playing in the same universe, and the the original character can be around in a, a different form or a different you know take on a new uh, persona of their own. And have new stories to tell. Now, so the the big the big there and there's obviously there's blowback no matter what you do if you're in the comic book world. You know someone's going to get upset about the decision. But overall, from everything I've seen, uh, Ruby Williams has been a very popular character idea. Um, recently, however, in the last actually earlier this week, Marvel put out a whole bunch of variant covers for the relaunch of the new series with Riri having the lead. Right, and the current big controversy is that J. Scott Campbell uh, did one of the variant covers, and J. Scott Campbell drew the character the way that J. Scott Campbell draws a lot of his characters. Um, and if you're not familiar with him, he does a lot of um, pinup art, essentially, and his characters, and that's the kind of way he draws all of his characters. And there's certainly a place for that in comic books. I mean, if you're if you're looking at comic books and not thinking there's some degree of sexualization to the characters, male and female, mm-hmm. you're not paying attention. And you certainly haven't been paying attention the last several years where people have been discussing that fact, um, you know, with varying degrees of, of you know, honest, rational discussion. Right. Although I, I looked at that car, I was looking at that cover and, and the, the the blowback and the discussion around it. Mm-hmm. And for me, now see, I didn't know that she was 15. So that mm-hmm. that flips it a little bit. But the the pose itself is not, it's, it's to me, and you, know, you hear you know Campbell's a, a pinup artist. This doesn't even look like a pinup. In the traditional sense of a pinup, and I'm like, this right, is yeah. this is rather tame, uh, outside of the fact that she's 15 and she looks a little bit more mature than a 15 year old would. Well, uh, the po- the pose itself, I didn't really see that there was a whole lot wrong with it. I mean, yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, a lot of the blowback I'm seeing on the pose itself is less that it's a particularly sexual pose. It's just pointing out that Campbell has an interesting fact of drawing people that. They're anatomically incorrect. Um, I can go get my copy of Grey's Anatomy if you like. Anything's <laughs> wrong with the way that she's standing in terms of how people are put together, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Where the joints actually go and the lengths of things. Perspective is very curious. But what's interesting, there's there's a couple of things that we're getting blowback on here. One is that the the character is lighter skinned than she appears other places. That it is done. This is this is not what a 15 year old looks like but not to mention the fact that Campbell's art is very much well did Cam- did did girl art 
did can did Campbell do the color as well, or did you just draw it? No, 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 no. Uh, that's a good question, but and he may not have. But what for all the fact that people are getting upset about here, I think really you have to dump this on Marvel itself. Sure. Because if you are if you are going to to to, to Campbell for a type of art to, as an artist, you know what kind of art he makes, and however you feel about that is fine. You can like it or dislike it or whatever. But if you're going to He's, you know, he's not who you go to to draw a 15-year-old and have them look like a 15-year-old. No, you give it to Frank Cho. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and see, and, and Marvel has been here before. See, this is this this is what this is what makes me think that maybe this is a deliberate thing on their part to to maybe not necessarily to generate the controversy or you know and and court the blowback. But to to at least have a discussion, so people are looking at this artwork and people are looking at the new comic book because they did this with the they did this with a Spider Woman variant, you know, with uh, yeah, what's his name. But you know, it's it it's it's this is a repeat of the same song. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate thing um, is that they honestly should have known better. Um, unless they did I, it deliberately. Unless they did it deliberately, and and who knows? But it's 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 not that it's a terrible cover. I mean, in terms of, if you just look at it as a cover itself, I don't think it's a very interesting cover. No offense uh, uh, to anyone involved. I, I think it's kind of boring. But well, it's just her standing there in the middle of a room full of tech, and she's got a helmet on her hip. I mean, they, yeah, there, there's nothing dynamic about it. Yeah, and but when you consider the fact that, you know, what's interesting is that the, the, the people who have been complaining, there's been a lot of blowback against people who have been complaining and I kind of think that the people who are upset that people have complained don't have daughters, um, or maybe that maybe just don't have kids. Period. Because you know, you've got a son, I've got a daughter. We don't want to think about our fifteen-year-olds being uh, sexualized in any way. Yeah, right. You know, fifteen. Um, so I can. I can, There's. There's certainly a lot of. If nothing else, they have generated attention, and I don't. You know, and that may have been the intent. But it's unfortunate because um, the character is 15 years old. Yeah. And there's something cool about I mean, that's kind of the point of the character is that she's so young. And that she has decided this 15-year-old has, you know, is a genius who has built her own suit. That's kind of the cool th one of the cool things about the character. Sure. You know. And so to sit there and go, well, you know, do this, I, it's, it's certainly managed to, to make... A splash, and unfortunately, it looks like Campbell um, reacted. He defended himself, which he certainly is allowed to do. Like you do, sure. But right. That didn't. The way he defended himself upset some victims too. So, all the way around, it's just a. Well, it, you know, and and, and you and I, yeah, but you and I have talked about this on on other fronts, not not you know creative stuff, but on the political front. If you have a group of people, no matter who the group of people is. If you have a group of people that chooses to get offended at X, sure. then it's not going to matter at all a hill of beans. Whatever anybody says, it will continue to offend those who choose to be offended. So, yeah, it, it, whether it's you know variant magazine variant cover on a, uh, on a on a comic book or a speech that somebody gives or a way a, a particular person dresses or they you know it, it doesn't it doesn't matter somebody will choose to be offended and they'll stay offended no matter what
Sure. I, I think, though, in, in this particular case, I, uh, as, a, as a father whose daughter is no longer 15, I mean, my daughter's, my daughter's 26, um, nonetheless, I completely understand the point of view of people looking at this and going, what on earth are you thinking? But that, again, I think falls more on Marvel yeah. than on Campbell. Well, and, and DC had this happen, too, with a, with a, a cover on uh, New 52 Teen Titans when oh, yeah. they made well, Cassie uh, Wonder Girl. Look well, much that, older than that, she I mean, actually is. To, to Starfire as a character, period. Uh, right. Yeah, we're not going to talk about New Fifty Two Starfire. This is not limited to Marvel, but the thing is, is the unfortunate thing is, is that you would think that both these companies would have learned these lessons by now. Yeah, they're not. They're not hard to learn lessons. Although, for they're the most like part, yeah, but for the most part too, though, uh, these are not the these are not the mainstream covers either. They're variant covers, so they're going to have a limited amount of... They're going to have a limited run for one. They're going to have a, a limited audience for another. Yeah, but the thing is about a variant cover is that it becomes a big deal because it's a variant. Yeah. So, and and, and Campbell, Campbell, has a, Campbell has a following, and I'm not going to bash his style of art. You know, um, it's, it's a certain kind of cartoony, sexy, sexy girl. They call it pinup style. It's, yeah, it's not really pinup-y. Right. But it's also, it's, it's a certain style, and it's got an appeal. And if you and if you don't think that, that, that sexy girls and big buff men um, are not part of the appeal of comic books, I'm not sure where people have been. <laughs> Remember when Kurt Swan drew Superman? Oh, yeah. Remember what he looked like? Uh, he looked like a square jaw superhero. Yeah, but he wasn't like super muscled. He was just big. Yeah, he was stocky. Yeah, he was, uh, he was taller. Yeah, so he was muscular, but he wasn't. He wasn't ripped. You know, a different. You know, look at look at Wonder Woman in the in the fifties. Mm-hmm. You know, the, this this these things have become you know, sexier, sexier as time has gone by. So to pretend that you know to ignore that's that, that that's part of the genre. Is foolish. Well, is that is that uh, the influence of Hollywood and and TV, you know, film and TV, or is that the culture or combination of all of the above? What do you think? <laughs> I think it's probably I think it's probably the way that the changes in the culture. I think that I think that there is certainly a recognition that your target audience for comic books was teenage boys, right? And recognizing that teenage boys like a certain thing, and that is, <laughs> you know girls um but mine mine is 14 and a half well he's he's going to turn 15 in january so far his interest in girls is minimal which is is, you know i I, you know i i say prayers of things um but he's just started shaving so everything we're 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 getting into that time period where i have an idea that we're we're probably going to be uh, I'm I'm probably going to lose quite a bit more sleep uh, in the next couple oh, of years. I'm no sure. Doubt. No doubt. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's it, unfortunately it is one of those things where you look at this and go, surely you guys knew that. And mm-hmm. if, if this was deliberate, then wow, that's really awfully mercenary of you, and that's not a good thing. No. Uh, but you know. It is what it is, and people are upset, and people are upset. 
Well, you know, it, it at least it at least distracts us from discussing the election at any point. So, well, you know what the good news is? The good news is is that this time next month, we will not be discussing. We, we will not have to be talking about the election. We so hope. We hope. We, yeah. Exactly. Yes. All right. So. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we do have email address h2o at sci-fi4me.com. Oh, and I did get, speaking of which, I did get a note from Rich Drees over at Film Buff Online who wrote the original article about uh, the Buckaroo Banzai story that, that we were covering last week. Uh, he did give us some, uh, some follow-up uh, that uh, it's, it's still really up in the air on, uh, on where things stand on the rights for Buckaroo Banzai, uh, so we're waiting. Where I guess I guess the TV show is basically in a holding pattern right now until they figure that out. But uh, but yeah, he did uh, he did give us a send us a note and, and uh, thanked us for the shout out uh, for last week. And uh, we've actually had some some pretty good numbers on that episode. So apparently, uh, you are all fans of Buckaroo Banzai, which is great. That's very good. Work. Yes. Excellent. All right. So, if you have uh, if you have comments that you'd like to share with us, or if you have suggestions for topics, uh, sure. things that you would like for us to discuss, you can send that to h two o at sci fi for me dot com, and uh, you can check out all of our other podcasts, sci fi for me radio. You can find it on iTunes. Uh, don't forget rate and share. It's the only way we know if anybody is listening over there, and also at podcast dot com. And of course, all of our content is accessible through our main site, which is sci fi for me dot com. And that's going to do it for us this week. And hopefully next week we will have everything put back together and we'll actually be in the same room together and you know, we'll see what happens. So, Timothy Harvey. Always a pleasure, sir. And uh, my name is Jason Hunt. For all of us here at Sci-Fi For Me, thanks very much for listening. We will be back with another episode of H2O next week. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio.